Dr. Luis Sandoval is accomplished in the fields of mental health and spiritual warfare. A medical doctor, board certified in neurology, psychiatry, and family medicine, he is also a psychiatrist for the Roman Catholic Diocese of Orange, Ministry of Healing and Deliverance. Now, Dr. Luis Sandoval. All right, well, welcome to Virgin Most Powerful Radio, and welcome to the clinic. You're listening to the Dr. Luis Sandoval Show. Um, today we have a very exciting show. I think this is a wonderful uh, topic to talk about. We're going to be talking about Marian apparitions, and I also have a very special guest who also happens to be my sister. It happened, you know, we keep everything in the family here at Virgin Most Powerful Radio, um, and my sister is, uh, her name is Maria Sandoval, and now married Maria Galena. Correct. Um, and Maria, tell us a little bit about yourself uh, as far as your degrees and, and what you've done in life and where you're at now. Sure, absolutely. I originally started thinking that uh, psychology and being a therapist was going to be my utmost role. So I started and went on from college to get my uh, MFT, which is my marriage family therapy counseling, um, went into education, as a matter of fact, from that, and then had a transfer move with my husband. So that led us to be more of a living at home and uh, raising the domestic family, quite and frankly. Tell us, and tell us, where do you live now? Because you originally grew up in Southern California. I sure And did. this transfer with your husband, where did this lead you to? So this transfer led us to Rochester, New York, of all places. So clear across country Completely. from, you know, we're here growing up in Orange County, and all of a sudden you're clear across country in Rochester, New York. You know, That's it's, right. It's a little bit of a different world from Southern California. Very much so, very much so. And not just the weather. And not just what, <laughs> yeah, well, you know, and that's one of the wonderful things, though, that we're going to talk a little bit about on the show. Uh, today, we're going to talk about apparitions, and I thought that you would be such a great person to help discuss this for multiple reasons. One, um, because you do have a background in therapy, and because Correct. you understand that, uh, you know, part of our show here in the clinic, we're going to talk about mental health, spiritual health, yes. physical health. Yes. And one of the things that I find fascinating about apparitions is the analysis of the apparition, the viewers, the seers, what was going on with them. There's so much going on with that, Correct. and we're going to unfold Correct. that a little bit. But since we are talking about Marian apparitions, let's uh, call on our lady to help us out here, and let's start Absolutely. the show with a prayer. We can say a Hail Mary in the name of the Father, Father and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Hail Mary, full, full of, of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed, blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You know, what a great topic for us as Catholics to discuss, because sometimes this can be a source of controversy, if you will, Correct. even among Catholic circles. Correct. So one of the reasons that this even came up or that we started talking about this, we were watching a documentary on the potential apparitions of Garabandad. And I say Garabandad potential Spain. because the Vatican has not yet totally approved them. But Maria, tell us a little bit about these apparitions. We watched this documentary. It was very interesting. Small town in Garabandad, Spain, where Our Lady appeared to four shepherd girls or, or uh, you know, they, there's a small town. In the hometown um, But tell us a little girls. bit about it. What was going on with this apparition? So the very interesting about Garabandad, which has yet, as you said, been approved by the Holy See, is not yet approved. And uh, it was the fact that some of the controversy that was going around with these young girls who really were almost illiterate, they were not the most uh, schooled young girls. They were from a very small town in Spain. And they had very, uh, I don't think that their devotion was as strict as it was after the apparitions, where the Blessed Mother did come to, um, to speak 
speak to them about the importance, again, of penance, of prayer, and always with a message. The mother, the Blessed Mother has always shown a message and the importance of getting back to basics. And this was about 1965. So this was about a time where you started to see a lot of changes in the world, right? The way philosophy was going, the way uh, the... The family was going, just veering more into much more independent than than family is oriented at that point. So a lot of changes, and, and it's interesting that you mentioned that because if we look at prior apparitions, say we talk about Fatima, we talk about Lourdes, these are apparitions that have already been approved by the Vatican. Correct. But when you talk about people who analyze these apparitions or look at what was going on in society at the time, they usually link it to a societal movement. So they say, you know, this is kind of where society was breaking down, and all of a sudden we had this apparition of Our Lady. We had this other situation come go- happen, and, uh, you know, in society of philosophy, a thought, something that might actually be keeping us from God or taking us from getting closer to God. And all of a sudden we have these apparitions. So we're talking about Garabanda. We're talking about the potential of things uh, in society maybe not being bad, but have they paired it to anything? Or did they, did the, in the documentary that you saw, the movies that you saw, the studies that you've done, have you seen anything where they say, well, there was something going on in society or not necessarily? So one of the things that I thought was very interesting about Garabandal was that one of the messages was really about how some of the pastors that were leading the, sh- the sheep away from the fold, and that was a very clear message from Garabandal, was that the Blessed Mother was pleading to say, we need to get back to the basics. We need to get back to the fold. And the visionaries who were then trying to give this message um, to the appropriate people were not really listening to them. They did. They felt that they was it was wrong. They felt that this message was not even clear, and that they felt that in some ways it might have been a bit blasphemous. What do you mean that we're we're leading people away from the fold? But that is really a prompt message from Garabandal to the point where even Padre Pio had written the girls a letter to say, "I hope it's not too late by the time they believe you." So it's very interesting that you mentioned that because again, we got to look at the time period. You're talking about the 1960s. The 1960s. And I'm not saying that we don't have reverence for our priests. We're always, you know, encouraged to have reverence for our priests, the priesthood, the episcopate, our bishops. We always respect that. We pray for them. We pray that they carry their office well. Um, But at the time, gosh, to say that, you know, that our priests were maybe not perfect because I think that we emulated them to the point that we forgot that they were human. And I think that that was kind of unfair on both sides. You know, I don't think it's fair, uh, you know, as a parishioner to make my priests more than human uh, because I think that that puts an undue burden on them. And that might even be a source of temptations or a source of uh, leading them astray. But at the same time, you're telling me there was this message and that was a very controversial message at the time. There was no question about gosh, maybe maybe the priests do need to improve their lives. It seems like they, they, maybe they thought they were perfect or the idea was that there was perfection. And so this message causes controversy. Tell me about that. Well, I think that what had happened was that we had gotten to a point where, as you had said, we'd forgotten a little bit about the humanization of our priests and our pastors. And we had always held them up on the pedestal and that everything is absolutely correct. You follow it sometimes non-blindly. And they were very highly educated men, obviously. In order to get to that point, you are highly educated. Um, I think the 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 sad part was that we forget that the support that the priesthood needs as well, which I think was really one of the key things the Blessed Mother was saying, was that we pray for our priest. We need to pray for them because they are at the center of a battle. And the center of this battle is the fact that a lot was being taken away from the Eucharist. 
that focus on the Eucharist was being deterred, and anything that those girls had to go through kept steering them away from the message of we need to focus back on the basics of the Eucharist and the importance of the office of the priesthood. And that's interesting, too, because obviously if Our Lady's given us a message, you know, the, again, this apparition has not been um, approved necessarily. Correct. It has not I think been it's approved. Great. I think it's a great study. I think it's great to look at what the messages are and, of course, to compare it to apparitions that have been approved uh, because you, what you really want to see is, is there a consistent message? And I would dare say that with apparitions in general, um, whenever we, or I should say Our Lady's apparitions uh, in general, it's just like you said, it's kind of get back to the basics. We call the Eucharist the source and summit of our faith. Meaning right. that that's where we start and that's where we end. And if you have something that's so important that you're going to start and end with, to deter from that or to fall away from that or to lose the focus on that, that sounds like a disaster. Well, and then and then aside from Spain having gone through their civil war and, and uh, about that time, which was happening too, was also that soon after Garabandal, which as we've said before, has yet to be approved, the next set of apparitions was approved and they're the ones in Akita, Japan. And the ones from Akita, Japan really um, reflect also the message of Fatima. But when you were looking at these, it is still the fact that the Eucharist has to be the focus of our not only our Catholicism, but really the way that we gear our life, right? And um, and that uh, the it, without the Eucharist, it, in essence, we wouldn't be here. Right, because at the end of the day, when you look at I mean, when you look at the message, there's controversy, of course, right? Is there yes. an apparition? Did they yes. really see anybody? Did they not see anybody? Did Our Lady appear or not? You know, and that controversy can kind of actually blind us from, well, what's being said? You know, whether she appeared or not, let's just look at it from that perspective. Well, what was the message anyway? Is this message something we're supposed to be doing? Is this something that uh, is, is the core of our faith? Because like you mentioned, you mentioned something so important. You know, how are why we, we say that we're Catholic and we say that we believe we follow the true faith. How are we distinguished from any other Catholic, uh, or excuse me, any other faith that calls itself Christian or a follower of Christ? How are we as Catholics different? Why would we say that we have the fullness of the faith? So the reason that I would say that as Catholics, we can actually honor the fact that we have the fullness of the faith is the fact that we do have the Eucharist and the Eucharist being the true body and blood of Christ, regardless of how anybody else looks at it. There are other Christian denominations that also have a Eucharist or they believe that they have the host. But the difference is that we know as Catholics that that is truly the body and blood of Christ versus just, well, we are reenacting or we are supposing or in memory of um, that kind of thing. It, every time that host is consecrated, it becomes the true presence of our Lord and, and the true body and blood of our Lord. And that, and, and the, um, and that penance that we should be hold, holding to, right, is is really part of that Eucharistic well, it's celebration. Interesting. It's interesting you mentioned that because obviously we say, no, we, we are going to declare that this is truly the body and blood of Christ. It's not a symbol. No. It's not a representation. Nope. This is what it is. This is Christ present. I don't think that, you know, I think that God in his mercy doesn't always give us a full understanding of that because I think that if we had a full understanding of that in light of our lack of perfection, in light of our weaknesses, I think that there would be a big problem there if we saw, you know, like kind of we say we're not ready to be in front of the throne of Christ because we would die. Um, this is where, like, if you look at the Old Testament when God appeared to Moses yes. and he tells him, you know, you can't see my face because nobody Correct. can live 
and see my faith. I think the fact that we have the Eucharist, that is so key. You know, we're going to be talking a little bit more about this when we come back from the break. We're going to go to commercial break in a little bit. But one of the things that I want to hone in on is, Maria, we we both have a background in therapy and psychiatry and psychology. I have a background in medicine as well. I want to analyze a little bit more. What is it that we would analyze from these uh, seers, these viewers? How do we want to look at, is this real or not real? More when we come back from the break here at Virgin Most Powerful Radio. All right, we're the most powerful radio. Welcome back to the Dr. Right, Sandoval welcome Show. Back. Welcome back to the clinic. Today we are talking about apparitions as yes. you're just joining us now. What a great topic to talk about as Catholics because I think it really helps us to blend. What, you know, we're, we're here on earth, we see the material world, and it's easy to forget that there's a whole spiritual world out there that's speaking exactly. to us, that's living exactly. next to us, that's vibrant, um, and probably more real than we even are. You know, we don't realize that. But one of the things we were talking about, because my sister and I were watching this documentary and movies and and doing a little bit of research on the potential apparitions of Garabandad, because it's an interesting study, even though it has not been necessarily approved by the Vatican. uh, And we respect that, of course, wholeheartedly. And we wait for approval to say that anything's official. But it's interesting to compare it to different apparitions, to different things that have happened. One of the things that we like to look at, because Maria, you are a therapist. You've done plenty of hours. You've you've done counseling. You've, You've diagnosed people with different things. I focus on my medical practice on psychiatry. So obviously, you know, we're, we're in the same realm there. We're, we're, and we diagnose people and, and you know, I'll, I'll treat with medication. You treat with different therapies. But one of the things that I find really, really interesting is when you're looking at these apparitions, obviously we focus on the seers, the visionaries, and you want to know whether they're credible, whether they're making it up. And I think that that's fair. I think it's so important to say, because otherwise anybody could just say that they were having an apparition. And there's testing, there's psychologists there. So And so from your perspective, let's pretend all of a sudden that somebody came to you and was telling you, you know, gosh, Maria, I think I'm, I'm having visions from, the, from our lady or from heaven, or I'm getting, I'm getting what test. would you look for? What would you ask them? What kind of questions would you want to know? I think one of the first things that you would want to know was uh, a little bit about their spiritual life. Like, are you practicing or, you know, where, 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 where did this assumed apparition take place? Um, there are people who feel that they see it in the wall or that they see it, uh, you know, somebody spoke to me or, you know, things like that or in interlocutions. So you really have to assess and see where, where is this person um, with regard to their spiritual life. The next thing might be some of the symptoms, I would say, or some of the, the manifestations that you could see. I know that with a lot of the seers, there is a point in what they call ecstasy. And the ecstasy means that there is a complete change in their physical being. We are talking about like down on on their knees and could be on rocks and not uh, not screaming in pain. It's an automatic result. Um, there have been people who have levitations, right, where it's it's an automatic, you're up. Um, one of the things that I found most interesting too was some of the, the manifestations that were shown where the girls could not be interrupted. If they were in the middle of this so-called uh, ecstasy or this moment of apparition, and it doesn't matter which Marian apparition you're looking at, most of the time it's a one-on-one. You don't see um, any interruptions. Even if there was somebody that was trying to make a comment to them or poking them. There were times where people were using uh, needles and things to try to see if there was any sort of, you know, break them from this kind of spell to see whether this was really true or not was interesting because the girls had no recollection or even other seers would have no recollection of you did something to me that it, it was not. So those are a few of the things, not to mention also what, what was being said. 
what was being said. We know from approved apparitions that the message of the mother is always the same. And any mother or any relative or any aunt or uncle knows that everything's going to point to that kid. And the blessed mother is no different. She's a mother. She's like, that's my kid. You know, I want you to look at my kid. I want you to love my kid. And anybody who has ever had to take, be it a niece, a nephew, a child, to that first day of kindergarten and knows they have to let them go, they want that kid to be liked. They want the kid to be protected. Same thing with her son. She's always thinking, that's my son. I want you to love my son. And the and the messages that have been seen through these apparitions, again, this is not a mandatory thing. You don't have to believe in the apparitions. But the nice consistency thing about the apparitions, including the ones in Metagory, is always penance, 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 and penance to God and the, the, the existence of God, whereas people sometimes don't believe either. God is real. God I, is real. I think you make a great point because ultimately, I mean, I've talked on the show here, and my listeners know that our goal in life, really our, our end mission is to become Christ. We have to look like Christ before God in order yes. to enter the kingdom of heaven. Yes. Christ says, be like me, follow me. The whole reason of following Christ, why, do, why does somebody tell you to follow them? The teacher wants you to be better than the master usually, right? So the teacher wants to teach you so that they're, they're imparting a part of themselves into you. And Our Lady's no different. She's pointing us to Christ. It's not like she's looking for glory for herself no. and these, and these uh, uh, apparitions and messages never about anything other than come closer to my son, do penance for your sins because look at what he sacrificed to get you into heaven. He came down to get us into heaven ultimately and she continues that message for us, the penance and the prayer. One thing that I find interesting too though is from a medical perspective, if somebody's going to come to me, you, you, the first thing I would look at for these visionaries is I want to find a medical explanation. Oh, I of want course. to find a scientific explanation. And so we do that because we're going to look at what are they experiencing and how does this relate to what I've seen in psychiatry? Because it's un, there's no doubt this is what we treat every day. We know that there's psychosis out there. there is psychosis. We know that there's people who hear voices. Yes. We know that there's people who can be in ecstasy because they're doing drugs. Correct. And so we really need to hash that out, make sure that none of that is happening overall or that somebody doesn't just believe it. So I think it's very, very healthy to be skeptical at first and to make sure that these people aren't just making things up, that the Correct. visionaries aren't, aren't on drugs or that they don't have a psychiatric condition. But things that I find interesting, and, and you tell me what your thoughts are, things that I would not be able to explain as a medical doctor, as a psychiatrist, you know, things I, I can explain somebody hearing voices and I would say, I've got medication for that. Yes. You know, I can explain somebody saying, I see things, I've got medication for that. I cannot explain what's been consistent, especially when there's multiple visionaries, you know, because if you look at uh, Lourdes, it was just St. Bernadette, It right? was just St. Bernadette. So, but if you look at Fatima, you have three visionaries. If you if you look at the potential of Garabandar being uh, validated, you have four visionaries. What I find interesting is usually when there is an apparition or when, they, when Our Lady appears, everything happens in unison. Everything happens at the same time for the same period of time. The, the people are in a, in a different trance state, if you will. Correct. Um, and I could diagnose that too because all of a sudden I could say, well, you're in a dissociative state. However, there's things I cannot explain. I, in medical science, you will never be able to explain levitation. How does somebody defy the laws of gravity and all of a sudden float in midair? There's no scientific explanation for that. And yet when we see that, sometimes people will try to say, well, you know, let's find a way to make that happen. What kind of things would you, what would your thoughts be like as far as a diagnosis, as far as things like that? Assuming that somebody was not really having this, what kind of thoughts would come to you? 
So some of the things that I would wonder a little bit about would be um, sometimes there's a dependency need, sure. you know, so you have like a borderline personality disorder that is really looking for attention. Mm-hmm. Um, they have dissociative disorders, as you said before, where you're you're wondering what state that person is. I, and, and we're talking like, you know, denial or some major living their life in a state that you're like, this is not, this is not pretty uh, common or typical in the rest of the thing. And the thing about the seers that was very, very interesting was that they all were able to carry on a normal life outside of these assumed apparitions. So they did not change anything in their behavior. They did not change the fact that all of a sudden they were not good scholars. That didn't all of a sudden become, you know, oh, they're brilliant. Uh, They still had the same difficulties before. They still had to carry out their same chores. They didn't say, oh, well, no, forget it. You know, I'm too important now because, you know, I've I've had this place. Um, The the fact that they were privy to some of these situations did not make them then decide, I'm too good for this. None of of that ever came. There was no grandiose. There was no narcissism involved with, like, look at me. Most of the time, they kept it quiet. They had to tell their immediate family, obviously. But most of the time, they were not, they were not the ones that were soliciting the information um, or the, uh, the novelty of being on, on the news or the journal. They, they were not looking for fame. And I think that that is so key. I mean, that, that's really one of the main things they're going to look for because just like with looking for consistency in the apparitions and the fact that they happen for a discrete period of time, that the personalities of the kids all kind of seem the same. It was Correct. usually uh, kids who, or, you know, they might not have been the most academic of kids and they weren't necessarily looking for fame. This is all really important things to consider because we do want to validate the fact that, yes, there can be medical conditions, psychiatric conditions um, that can result or look like this, but those would be very different. It would be very odd to have somebody say, you know, I experienced experience psychosis only at three o'clock for two hours and then I can right. leave my normal my normal life you that would you wouldn't exactly know how to treat that because somebody who's who does experience any kind of psychosis auditory hallucinations visual hallucinations it's usually pretty consistent it might be more intense or less intense but they don't ever tell you you know these these uh, hallucinations happen at this discrete period of time unless all of a sudden they're doing drugs at three o'clock every day and then I would right. say okay there's, you're, a, you're, there's a cause there's a there but for the most part it seems like, you know, the, aside from the experience of, of Our Lady visiting them, aside Correct. from the experience of being united to heaven at that time, it seems like you're right. Their, their lives did not change. They were leading these normal lives. Correct. And they, they were also very consistent with their message, which was one of the biggest things that happens if you've ever had to ask somebody two or three times, can you please recount that event again? Or how did the vase broke? Tell me one more time. The thing about the seers um, has always been the consistency of the message. No matter what, they did not change any words. They didn't mince words. I know if you're you're trying to have a conversation, you may not remember what you said exactly, or you're going to retell a story, but not in the same way, shape, or fashion. And that was something very, very striking about any of these seers is the fact that the message was extremely consistent. The words were the same. There was no, they didn't omit or uh, or summarize anything. It was really whatever the message that they feel they were given was able to be repeated. And if you're on, sadly, if you're on something, even if you're not feeling well on a particular day, you may not be able to do that. Right. No, absolutely. And so, and what's interesting is I, I, what I really find interesting is the consistency across apparitions. If we look at the message of Fatima, it was pray, repent, pray. If we look at the message of, of Lourdes, it's no different. Everything, everything points to Christ about how do we get closer to Christ? How do we repent? Um, and Garabanda is the same thing. It was repent, 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 and repent. pray. 
go back to the Eucharist. How could that not be Catholic? Go back to the go Eucharist. Go back to the Eucharist. One of the interesting things that I see, though, and, and that I think about is sometimes we're scared of the message. And so uh, for for that particular story of God, for the, for the events that occurred there and the message that occurred there, I think, I, you know, one of the things that I find very interesting is the fact that when Our Lady brought up the fact that maybe the priests or the cardinals or the bishops were leading the flock astray, Correct. it became really a source of contention. And I think that that's where sometimes when we're listening to messages from heaven, they strike us hard. Um, and sometimes our source of pride can get in the way and say, well, you know, well, what's going on? Why, why should I have to improve my life? And I honestly think that a message like that shouldn't point, it's, I don't think heaven is pointing the finger of saying you're bad. I think heaven is really pointing the finger of saying, this is where we can improve. This well, is, you know, but we take it as human beings, we always take it in the defense of like, oh, you're telling me something bad. But I think that whenever we get a message from heaven, I should kind of take a step back. And if I'm going to have a positive um, thought of uniting with Christ, I got to look at this as, wow, so maybe these are my weaknesses. And like St. Paul tells us, make your weaknesses your strengths. What are your thoughts? I think, I think one of the things that we have to do too is I, I think if my mother came to me and said, good Lord, your hair looks a mess. The first thing I'm going to say is no, you've got to be kidding me. Right. And <laughs> that pride, could never happen. <laughs> that, that won't happen. But pride, pride is one of those things that even if, uh, Pride is is so debilitating. Pride is so debilitating. It is so hard to always be right, always having to be right, always having to be right. And um, one of the things that's funny is that, you know, you don't have to have an apparition to know that maybe there's a few things that somebody has been saying to you that maybe you need to listen to, right? Oftentimes, it's not necessarily people around us we want to listen to. And, and we go seek these professional help because you're like, there's something that's not going right in my life. You know, I, I can't pinpoint it or somebody's tired of hearing me. And sometimes that's why people seek help. They seek, you know, mental health. Help that's, and that's a that great thing. point, because when we come back, we're going to talk about seeking help uh, for mental health and for spiritual health and some unhealthy ways that sometimes people get start seeking help, uh, help in and how, how we can fix that and how these apparitions can help. More when we come back from the break. Thank you for joining me. Thank you. All right. Welcome back to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. You're listening to The Clinic. We're here with Dr. Sandoval today, where we're listening, talking about our mental, physical, spiritual health and apparitions. And I have my special guest, uh, Miss, Mrs. Maria Galina, yes, how are you? Uh, joining us to talk about apparitions. Um, we've been talking about a few different things. You know, one of the things that we, the reason that we're talking about the show, as we've been saying, is that we saw a documentary on Garabandal Spain. We also saw a movie and we thought it was just very interesting to see. You know, I know that the Vatican has not approved it, but since, especially since it's not approved, I think it's even more interesting because we like to look at, you know, well, what is it about the apparitions? What is it? What is, what's it take to approve an apparition and what's consistent with the apparitions that have already been approved? Um <clears throat> You know, it's such an interesting topic uh, that as, as Catholics, because it carries so much weight. You know, we're talking about the message, what it really means to us. And I know that a lot of times, as we, as we were talking in the last segment, when we listen to these messages, sometimes we can uh, easily get very defensive. We can wonder, no, I'm, not, I'm on the right path. I don't need mm -hmm. to do this. I don't need to change. And sometimes when we do that, you were mentioning before, very astutely, that Pride gets in our way, and all of a sudden, we have this sense of pride that we can't shake. And all, and what really pride is, we, when we look at that from the start, right, what happened? Where, where was the first source of pride? We look at the fall of, of, of Lucifer, right? Had everything in heaven, was, was the number two guy to, to God. 
but could not handle, could not uh, uh, deal with the fact that all of a sudden God was going to incarnate himself into a human form, be born of a, of a human person, and that he was actually going to have to serve a human. Right, so all of a sudden, pride gets in the way, and really, what pride is is I think I know better than God. What do you think, Maria? You're a therapist; you've I, seen this in your practice. How does pride interfere with our progression? What I what I have seen sometimes is that it gets us in a rut, because as as uh, we were talking earlier, you know, we want to be right. Nobody wants to be wrong. Nobody wants to be corrected. And what happens is when you get into that point of pride, where you're like, I can't even the simplest message that can come from somebody in the grocery store, you'd be like, No, that's wrong. Um, and, and the problem is there's no growth. There's no growth with, with pride. Um, pride hits us too where it hurts because I know I am better and or I know I don't see why so-and-so was elevated to this position or, you know, frankly, I'm, I'm a much better writer than so-and-so. Why did they get that grade and I didn't get that grade? Or, you know, why didn't I make the team? I'm just as good as, you know, so-and-so over there. You know, I know and I practiced harder and I was here all the time. And, and sometimes that, those, those things are tough. Those are really, really tough because we'd like to know that we always make it, right? Um, or that, you know, you achieve everything. And the problem with pride is that when we start to think that we know more and or better, then what happens is it stunts us. We can't hear any message. And you mentioned something important there. So pride really at its base is we know more or we know better, but we really have to ask ourselves, what is it that we know more or better than, or who is it that we know more or better than? And I think one of the pitfalls that we get into, because the opposite of pride, as we say, is humility. Ultimately, when I, when I keep pride in my heart, when I'm sourced in pride, I'm saying, I actually know better than God, because I have to believe at every point in my life, regardless of what's happening, God is guiding that. God put me in this position. And maybe God didn't want me to get that raise. Maybe God didn't want me to get, you know, that promotion because he knows best how I'm going to react. I think I would be so good for that promotion, but all of a sudden I get it. And what's going to happen to me? You know, is my pride, is my ego going to grow? Am I going to feel like I'm better than everybody else? And maybe God's saying, you know, just like a parent to a child, which we, you, you talked about, you know, our lady comes and she's, she's talking to us about Christ, but she sees us as her children too. And Very what much. they're saying is, you know, slow down because a parent to a child will tell them, look, I know you can do that, but it's probably not in your best interest because I can see ahead and Correct. I'm worried that you're going to you're going to hurt yourself there. Oftentimes too is waiting. We're very impatient. We want everything now. We're living in a society where you know what, I should have had that yesterday. And the fact is that sometimes it's uh it maybe it's not ready for you yet. And that's where pride comes in. So we listen to these messages of, you know, there's time there is penance. You know, your life isn't over yet. Um, you still have more to do. And what you have to do, which may seem trivial or small to you, is important. Because if you don't do that small trivial event, the next one that should, the person that's depending on your small event can't happen. So oftentimes pride gets in the way to say, well, I'm, I'm not doing that. You didn't get me what I wanted, then forget it. And that then not only stumps you as a person, but then the person who's counting on you for whatever event that was, they can't move forward either. So we are connected in and, that sense. And that's a really good point. Sometimes God wants you to do the simplest thing to achieve the greatness and, and greater greater than we can even see. He talks about sowing the seed and not uh, and we might not see the fruit of that. We might not see the seed flower, but you don't even know what kind of a major impact you might have had worldwide just by doing something very simple and humble. Now, just very quickly, Richard put up an email address there on the screen for you. Uh, Richard, can you fix that really quickly? There is a period after the R in doctor. So it's doctor dot 
sandovalvmpr at gmail.com. If you guys have any questions for uh, for me that you just comment or any topics or anything that you want uh, uh, to discuss on future shows or this show, I'd be happy to answer them by email. I'd be happy to discuss it. Maybe you're going to inspire a great show and I'll give you a shout out wherever you are in the world. I know that we have a whole lot of listeners out there, um, you know, all across the globe. And it always reminds mm-hmm. us of the community of saints, which is, is very uh, poignant to this point that you're making, Maria. Yes. The fact that if I, if all of a sudden I feel that for whatever reason, God doesn't want me to eat that candy bar, I don't know when I die, if I'm going to find out that somebody in Zimbabwe benefited from, I didn't eat that candy bar. I don't know why I'm going to make this sacrifice. I'm going to meet somebody later and say, you know what? I was around the globe, but because we are connected in the body of Christ, boy, I was able to be patient with my kid that day. And little did you know, it's because you made that sacrifice around the globe. And what's funny is we don't realize how interconnected we are. And the reason that I say that is going back to the apparitions. I don't think there's a single continent where the Blessed Mother has not appeared at one, at some year over, you know, in the entire globe. You can go around the globe and see the messages are for everybody. It wasn't just like, oh, the people in Spain or the people in France. I mean, some of those are the most, or the people in Portugal. Those are the most commonly known. But that when you have a moment to actually look through the apparitions, there are apparitions in Africa. There are apparitions in the United States as well. There are apparitions um, in Russia. There are apparitions all over the world. So this isn't just, oh, me, me, me. It, re- it really is a consistent um, for everyone. It really speaks the, to the fact that we are united in Christ globally. You know, we, we talk about the body of Christ, and sometimes we think that the body of Christ is just my local parish, Correct. and I'm upset because whoever is sitting next to me was wearing too much perfume, you know, and, and we think that that's the biggest deal. But when we look at it that way, when we look at it globally, we realize that we are connected as a whole, as a people. And this is very important because when we look at this and I look at this through the eyes of the deliverance ministry, the same way that pride can get involved, if I don't if I don't check myself, if I don't control that emotion of pride and think I better humble myself before God, it's very easy for people to all of a sudden fall away and do the opposite because I'm going to do my own thing. I'm going to do my own will. No, no, that doesn't sound right. I'm going to do my own will. And so one of the traps that we can fall into and Our Lady has told us about this and we look at the apparition of Fatima, which has been approved, one of the secrets, as the viewer said, was she showed in the vision of hell. She and did. so what's going on here? At the end of the day, we're dealing with two kingdoms. We're dealing with two worlds. We're dealing with Our Lady giving us a message from heaven. But yet, when we have that source of pride, in a way, we're getting a message from the other kingdom. And that can be kind of scary. Well, and, and it's scary because I think the devil's best lie is the one that states, I don't exist. And that actually causes probably more anxiety than knowing that, that, yes, there is something out there. Yes, you weren't wrong. Maybe you should not have turned that corner and the hair on the back of your head sticks up. That you do listen to those little, uh, those little words or those little sensations, right? Because they do carry some warning signs. Because, yes, and in fact, there is another world that is really not interested in your best interest. That's right. And usually when I see the pit people in footballs, you know, the pitfalls, I should say, are, you know, when you look at that and if you're going to look at the devil trying to convince you that he doesn't exist, well, that has a domino effect. If the devil doesn't exist, then guess what? Sin doesn't exist. And there might be a God, but, you know, if there's a God and there's no devil, I can do whatever I want. God's all merciful. Sin doesn't exist. I'll be okay. I can do anything I want to do, and it's going to be okay at the end of the day because, you know, there's no consequence to that. There is no sin. There's no way to offend God. He's all love. What I have seen people get in trouble with is all of a sudden they decide that, or even knowing that there is a God, they decide, I want a much quicker answer because, you know, my pride's getting in the way. I just want to find out now. I'm going to do it my way. My way. You know, do what thou wilt. I'm going to do it my way. And all of a sudden people start opening doors. People start opening doors to the wrong kingdom. 
I always remind my listeners the same way that you can open doors to the kingdom of darkness. We're opening doors to the kingdom of light. So I can open that door when I'm listening to the, if I listen to the apparitions and let's say that you're going to say, well, Dr. Sandoval, you know, I'm not going to listen to the apparitions of God until they're officially approved by the, by the Vatican. I'm not going to, you know, give it any credence. And that's fair. I think it needs to be studied. The Vatican will study it. But if we're talking about apparitions, well then am I going to give credence to the other apparitions that have been there? Am I going to give credence to Fatima, to Akita? What do you think, Maria? I think what's interesting is to keep an open mind. And a lot of times we hear it about all sorts of things, especially when somebody has to start taking medication and they're like, nah, you know, it's not going to work. The first thing the therapist will tell you or the first thing that the doctor will tell you, even if you go to your medical doctor, is it takes time. You have to give some things time and you have to be open for it. There's no point in having anybody prescribe anything to you if you're not going to take it. It really is not going to make a difference. That's the key because what I always tell my patients too is, Believe it or not, just like we talk about having faith in God and how Jesus couldn't work miracles if the people did not have faith, I could give somebody the best medication out there whenever I prescribe medication to them. If they're worried about side effects, if they're worried it's not going to work, if they do not have faith in the medication, even though I can pretty much guarantee you it's going to work, if there is no faith, it's not going to work. And and you can ask any doctor that. If you can say, you know, they just don't trust this medication. For whatever reason, the mind, the body, the soul, they're all connected. And if the mind's already telling you it's not going to work, the body rejects it. Well, and I was going to say that also the person the message comes from. So if you if you trust your doctor, you like your doctor, you've had good experience with your doctor, then you know that you're like, okay, I'm willing to give it a shot, right? If this is the first time you see someone and you're like, I'm not venturing into those waters. But I think with the apparitions, the fact that it has been consistent, the fact that the messages are consistent, the fact that it's the same message over and over, and that no matter what, the, the, any apparition always points back to Christ. The Blessed Mother saying, that's my kid. You know, I want you to see my kid. I love my kid. I want you to love my kid. Um, is, is always about don't, don't hurt my kid. Yeah. I mean, every apparition is don't hurt my kid. And ultimately, it's how much, how much do you trust Our Lady? Correct. So how do much we trust do you our trust lady? the if she, message? If she's giving me the message, if she's the, the physician right now, if she's the, the, the general in charge, Correct. Um, you know, how much do you trust your general? How much do you trust the message? Because that's where people fall into trouble, and, and they have to recognize and realize if, you know, I decide, if the first commandment tells me I can only trust in God, and I believe that this message is coming from God through Our Lady, then i got to ask myself, how much do I trust that? If I decide, I think I'm going to trust the horoscope page a little bit more, I've decided I'm going to trust somebody else a little bit more other than God. So that's interesting. One of the things that we're going to talk about when we come back uh, from this commercial break is um, as we look at this and we look at these messages, what are we going to do about it? You know, what is it that Our Lady's asking us to do? And in case there's in case there's any doubt in your mind, there's a little bit about repent, 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 and pray, pray, pray. Pray, pray, pray. A little bit more about that when we come back from the break. All right. Well, welcome back to the clinic here at Virgin Most Powerful Radio, where we are talking today about marrying apparitions and what that means to us as Catholics. Obviously, this is a very, very big topic. And, you know, we're only covering but a sliver of it as it it, uh, uh, applies to our lives and and our experience of it. Um, but it's very important to, to realize that Our Lady can be speaking to any of you and, and giving you messages of Christ in many, many different ways. One of the things that we finished talking about or that we were talking about before the break was where, how much trust do we have in these apparitions? What happens to this message? And if we don't have trust in that and we decide to put our trust in, say, uh, a psychic or horoscopes or tarot cards or somewhere where we really want answers, because it seems like for these apparitions, Our Lady's kind of giving us answers. You know, She's letting us know, this is I'm giving you the answer to the test. There 
there will be a test, and I'm already giving you the answer, you know, but we want our own answers, and we want our answers now. Um, and so that can get a little bit hairy. People can start opening doors to the to the, uh, to the the occult, to the dark places. What do you think, Maria? What's your experience been with this in terms well, of your, your practice and so, what you've seen? So in, in the people that I've also had the opportunity to help also is the medical interpreter. What I've seen is a lot of times people are more sick um, spiritually sometimes than they are physically. They're looking for some relief of sorts like that. And uh, the, the one thing that I have to say is that I think in, in any of those apparitions that we have seen or that we have learned about, the Blessed Mother always comes ahead of time. It's like a warning. It's like, kids, I don't want you to go out to the well. You've already, you know, there's a well. I don't want you to fall. You know, there's something that there's a message that she comes with specifically kind of as a warning because she wants us to make sure that we're safe and that we're listening the same way that sometimes you have to have that little voice in your head that you're like, oh, maybe I should I shouldn't do that right now. You should listen. You should listen. That's 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 a good warning. So in my experience, when I've also uh, spoken to people, a lot of times it's those doubts, those the 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 not knowing immediately what's going to happen. The um, you know I'm I'm worried, and the worries, the worries themselves are what's actually eating away more people than sometimes anything that actually could have happened. And so you know what's interesting, Maria, because in doing therapy, a lot of times people say, well, therapy is not really medicine, right? You're not prescribing something. You're not giving Correct. me a pill. Sometimes people really want a pill, and I think that that's what I equate the the horoscopes to, or, or, or focusing on crystals or energies. You know, people want a quick pill. They want a quick fix. And I, you know, I'm there too. Gosh, I want my package delivered in an hour if I'm ordering that's something. Right. I want it now. But the reality is, if you think about it, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but as you're as in your experience as you're doing therapy. It seems like what you're, you're talking about people's worries, people's concerns, and what you're really giving them is a new perspective. As, as you're listening to what they're saying, you're saying, I think you need to think about this this way. This is what I see happening, and let me give you this perspective, and you're going to find healing through this new perspective that I'm giving you. Is that fair? A lot of times what I think it is is a sounding board. A lot of times we dwell with the same thoughts in our head over and over and over, and we think we've got the rhetoric sent. We have a script that's set up, and it's comfortable, and this is how it is. And sometimes you need that sounding board. And that sounding board then all of a sudden says, ah, I've always looked to the left. Now I need to look to the right. And all of a sudden you look to the right, and there's a whole different landscape. There's a whole whole different zone. And would you think it's fair that Our Lady, in a way, is a sounding board for us? What I think is Our Lady is a fantastic sounding board because a lot of the times she brings us back, like I had said before, you know, if my mom's like, oh, you need your hair done or something, you're like, no. And I think that's what Our Lady does. She's looking out for us going, you know, this is a check. It's a check in. I need to check in with you. You know, I think that we worry so much on this planet and we look at the material goods and the degrees and the titles. And, you know, we're both academics. We love titles. It's fun. I think education is wonderful. And there's something very satisfying from, from, you know, earning a degree or learning a, a craft. Um, but I think in many ways we start to worry about and make it more than just the craft itself. You know, math becomes more than math. I want to be a math professor because I need a title associated with my knowledge. And I think that Our Lady, if you will, uh, being a sounding board to the universe tells us, keep it simple, keep it humble. All you need to do is pray and repent. Let's bring it back down to level one. You mentioned something very, very important earlier before you said, who is this message coming from? So Our Lady's telling us, keep, keep it simple, keep it humble. This message is coming from heaven, but who is Our Lady in heaven, Maria? What, what's her role? So the important thing is sometimes as Catholics, 
we what you just brought up with Mary, and you don't always understand how this role evolved, how this role came to be. We know she's the queen of heaven, and we know that she has an important place to play. The thing is, when we look at the kingdom of Jesus, one of the things that we need to remember is that it really is modeled after King Solomon. King Solomon was a very wealthy king, very smart king. Everybody remembers for his wisdom. They also remember him for always having these treaties and multiple wives and women that he that belonged to his kingdom, right? But King Solomon also had a queen mother. And the thing was that when the kings ruled in ancient Israel, they ruled with the queen mother because there was only one of them. The queen mother was the advocate for the people. The people needed something. They didn't go to the wives of the king. They went to the queen mother. The queen mother was always there as the intercessor for the people. So in Catholicism, sometimes we forget because we think of a king and a queen and we think of them as spouses. But really, when we're looking at the kingdom of Jesus and the way that it was established, it really was established as a model, almost like King Solomon, where the queen mother is the intercessor before the people. She's the one that people would come and bring their concerns to. And then she would then present them before her son, who was the king. And that is something that as as Catholics, we appreciate, we should remember that this is the setup. This is why, in fact, she is the queen of heaven. And I think that that is so, such an important key, so important to remember because we're so used to, if we watch on the news and we look at the paparazzi and we're used to the monarchies that we have here on earth, it seems, no offense to any monarchy, but they seem like they're always on the headlines and they're unattainable. It seems like nobody can talk to them. There's so much protocol to go through. And if you're going to go speak to somebody who considers themselves blue blood or a monarch, then all of a sudden they're whole, they're totally separate from the people. And we realize that they live, live lives very differently and might not understand our lives and we might not understand theirs because they're living life separately from the people. But you brought up a very, very interesting point. The queen mother in the time of King Solomon, she was the intercessor for the people. She She was was right there with the people. And if you're going to be an intercessor for the people, that means that you know the people and you know them not just at the high levels where you're highfalutin and schmoozing, but you have to know them at all levels of the kingdom. Because if you want your kingdom to run, you better know the poor person. You better know the common person. You better know the person who thinks that they're forgotten. And I think the most important thing about the Blessed Mother is that there is not one point in her life, if you've ever seen her life from the beginning to the end, that cannot reflect into our own lives. That woman has known how to be a refugee. That woman has known that sometimes there were days where we don't eat. That woman has known, um, I've lost my child. And it doesn't have to be physically. You could have lost your child emotionally or spiritually. Um, And she knows what it's like to try to go find him. She knows what it's like when somebody doesn't like your kid. They're saying crucify him. And she's thinking, no, that's my child. I, you know, why aren't you liking my child? It's interesting you mentioned that because as a mother, how intertwined is your life with that of your children? So it's amazing because usually... As a mother, and you, you have don't want, five children. I do have five children. You and have the two thing, girls and, a, and three boys. So I have you, you, two you have girls variety, and three boys. You have bo- girls and boys, all different ages. All different ages. Five of them. How intertwined is your life with them? What's interesting is that as a mother of all five, and I think anybody that has either been a caregiver, has been a mother, or has been a guardian of somebody, you know that it's really not about you. It's not about, oh, look at me with my five kids or look at me, I'm in charge of so-and-so. No, it's really about the welfare of that other individual. And you want to make sure that they have eaten properly. I mean, one of the things is, have you eaten today? How many times have they come in? Let me make you something to eat, right? They're not hungry, but you're still so interested in the welfare of that child and what is in the welfare, what is in the best interest. And the Blessed Mother has two, two objectives. Number one, to always bring us back to Christ. And the second is to be faithful to his church, his 
bride. She is not saying go off and, you know, hang crystals. <laughs> yeah, right. She is, she is actually trying to say, that's my son and his bride. And you mentioned something very important. So if we look at it from that perspective, from another how intertwined was Our Lady's life with Christ? Who but a mother is going to know her child in and out? I mean, we were talking the other day about how moms know where the lost sock is because it's in the closet behind the box. Under You know, who but a mother knows these details right. of their children's lives? You mentioned something very important. If we look at Our Lady's life from beginning to end, we see that she was a warrior, really. I mean, she, you mentioned she was a refugee. She lost her son. She had to escape to Egypt. I mean, there was so much going on in her life that when we look at it, we always think of a dainty lady, but really she's such a strong she general. She was a very strong strong, powerful woman. Which, what better way to look at the, our life, the life of Our Lady from beginning to end than when we pray the rosary? If we look at That's the rosary and we look at the mysteries, how does the rosary start? The so first mystery. The, the first mystery is the Annunciation. Right there is where Mary's mission started. Now, granted, if you look back at the Old Testament, you look at the book of Genesis and God told the serpent she will crush her head. He already started the mission of Mary ever since the book of Genesis. She's been there from the start when he mentioned Christ. But we look at the rosary and we look at the Annunciation. And how does it end, Maria? Where does the rosary end? Well, I was going to mention one thing before oh, sure. that we start there, too, was that in every, in every state, somebody asks something. And before she even uh, became the mother of Christ, she was asked. And at the Annunciation, the angel came and said, would you be essentially Hail Mary? You know, God is asking something of you. And a lot of times we forget that. We feel like we have to do this. We have to right. do that. We have to right. do that. And we forget that sometimes, yes, there is a choice. Whether good or bad, you have a choice. Mm -hmm. And she chose yes. She That is called her fiat. If anybody ever hears that, Mary's fiat was the yes that started at the Annunciation. And it ends, as you see, Mary's life is so intertwined that every mystery of the rosary leads all the way to her coronation in heaven. And basically, good and faithful servant. So we see the life of Mary from the start of her mission, um, where she's asked to be the mother of God. Correct. And we see the, the end, as we go through all the, the mysteries of the rosary, we see how the story ends with Mary being crowned. But if you notice, we're talking about Mary, and yet the whole rosary points to Christ. Correct. The whole, the whole, the whole thing is Mary's experience of Christ. It's from the minute she finds out she's pregnant with him, and even to when she finds out that her cousin Elizabeth is also pregnant, she didn't sit there and on her laurel said, look at me, I'm going to be the mother of God. She picked up herself and said, somebody else needs me. So right from the very beginning, she's advocating for somebody else. She went to go help her cousin Elizabeth. And this is so important to note because as we're talking about apparitions, what is very, very consistent with the apparitions is the fact that Our Lady is always telling us, repent, 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 pray, pray, pray. And she's asking us to do it through the rosary. Again, a lot of people have some issues with the rosary and they think that the rosary is, uh, well, it is a Marian prayer as we call it. They think that we're worshiping Mary. But when you look at the fine details of the rosary, it's truly the life of Christ. It's when the Annunciation, right? All of a sudden Christ becomes incarnate, right? And that's where it starts with Christ. Where does Christ end with the coronation? Why would he coronate Our, our Lady? So as, as we were talking about the, the rosary and, and, and how it goes and how it follows the life of Christ, it's really Christ from the beginning at the conception when she says yes to Christ at the end rewarding his mother. And the church, the life of the church in between that, that starts not only um, after his dead, but we include the Holy Spirit. You know, one of the mysteries will be the, the, the Holy Spirit coming in. So at the end of the day, when we're talking about apparitions, as our show is coming to a close here, thank you for joining us. The most important thing to remember is, as we're getting these messages and we're trying to study them, the message is coming from the Queen Mother. This must be important because she's interceding for the people and she's telling us, start to pray. 
don't be scared because if you start to pray and you repent, I will bring you closer to my son. It's really a, a, a message of joy because at the end of the day, we do have a choice between the kingdom of light, the kingdom of darkness. We always want to choose the kingdom of light. It's not always easy, but keep us in mind in your prayers. We'll keep you in mind yes. in, in, in our prayers and through we're united through the communion of saints as always. Thank you for joining us here today at Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Send me an email if you guys have any questions, any topics for shows. Keep praying the rosary and keep uh, looking at those apparitions and messages. I think they're so interesting for us as Catholics. God love everybody here. And uh, please uh, keep us in your prayers. Have a good day.